You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the August 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. My name's Shane. I'll be our host today. And before we get into today's topic, Perry, there's a real exciting trip uh, that you're leading to Israel for church leaders uh, coming up October 14th through the 21st. And we wanted to make sure all our listeners hear this because this is the last time they'll probably get a chance to hear this information before the trip will be full. At the time of this recording, bottom line is we're only taking 80 people. Uh, Over 50 people have already signed up. And this is a leadership coaching intensive with you in Israel, October 14th through the 21st. All the information that you need to know about that trip and how to get signed up, you can find at unleash.cc. Uh, Perry, but why don't you go ahead one more time and pitch this trip to our listeners and tell them why they need to go. You need to go for um, about three reasons. Number one, it's going to make you a better leader. Uh, there is no way you can walk away from some of the experiences we're going to have on this trip and be unaffected or unimpacted. Communion at the garden tomb is legit. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you it's one of the best communion times you'll ever have. Second reason is it's going to take your understanding of the Bible to the next level. You're going to be able to see Scripture come alive. And when I uh, it, it amazes me the number of leaders that we will teach about the Bible, but and, but when it comes to going to Israel, I'll press guys and they'll go, yeah, well, I'm going to get around to doing that one day. Well, listen, one day is today. Let's go. There's a lot of leaders that are signed up that are taking their um, spouse. Um, a lot of leaders are signed up uh, taking other leaders on their um, from their church. And the third reason is some of the guys that are going, some of the guys that are going are just fun people. I mean, you're going to get to hang out. I think I saw that Jeff Capusta is signed up. Oh, Dean wow. Herman is signed up. J.R. Lee is signed up. And these guys are just legends. And so the, the, here's, one of the, here's one of the cool things is you're going to get on this trip to talk to other leaders about leadership. Mm-hmm. And that, Shane, I mean, good gosh, some of the best things that we've learned about leadership are just those side conversations yep. at conferences and things like that. Yep, so, so true. What a, It will be a great group. And I might add, Perry, that also on that trip is our world-renowned Buick driving Florence campus pastor, yes. Sam Gibson. Sam Gibson is the only guy I know under the age of 30 that drives a Buick, and he's proud of it. Um, he's also about six foot nine. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. So he's going to, but he's a, like, if you're a younger leader, I mean, you could go on this trip, yep. pull Sam to the side. Um, he's going to ask you more questions than you ask him because he's one of the hungriest young leaders I've ever met in my life. Yep. But it's those conversations that make it worth. And listen, this isn't a price to pay. It's an investment to make. And I promise you that you'll you'll be a better leader because of it. I'm yep. so excited. I'm ready to go right yep. now. You're going to, hey, leaders, church leaders, when you come back, you're going to want to take your church there. So look at it that way too. You're investing into your church and potentially future trips. And the hummus, you can take them. Yeah, hummus is awesome. Oh, and the pita bread. The food is great. Come, the lamb. If you're a meat Come potatoes on. guy, mm, man, Bless the Lord. you can eat till you die. Mm. That's good. All right, uh, the next thing, Perry, we've got coming up really is something special that we're going to share at the end of this podcast. Yes. Uh, so. Take note of that. We've got a great announcement coming up of something else that we're going to be hosting here at New Spring. But before we get to that, we really want to spend some time today, Perry, talking about a topic 
that uh, that every leader, every organization has to talk about, has to think through, and that basically is financial challenges. Financial challenges are a reality for any organization uh, at some point. And for New Spring Church, it's certainly been a challenge for us at times. And so today, uh, Perry, we want to talk about how our church has dealt with some financial challenges and put some information out there today uh, that may help those out there that are dealing with financial challenges, give them some next steps so they can help their church organization with that. Uh, so jumping right into the questions, just let me ask you this. Will, will an organization ever be in a place where they won't have to worry about financial challenges? Well, if Bill Gates is a part of your organization, the answer to that question is no, you, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. But unless Bill Gates um, is a part of your nonprofit or he goes to your church, um, you're going to have financial challenges. I remember a very, very wise man telling me back in 2001, his name was Ron Lewis. He was a church growth consultant, and he was amazing. And he said this, and leaders, listen in. He said, if you're following the will of God, your back is always going to be against the wall financially. And I've never forgotten that because the myth out there is if we're doing what God wants us to do, we're always going to have plenty of money. I would say if you have plenty of money, you're probably not doing what God wants you to do when it comes to the church. Yep. Because God doesn't call us um, as the church to set aside a humongous savings account. Now, I think there's wisdom in putting some salary aside and things like that, three to six months. But I'm just not the guy that says, if you're doing what God wants you to do, you're always going to have plenty of money. I really do feel like um, and I know in our experience at New Spring, and maybe I'm wrong, but in our experience at New Spring, 14 years, every time God has asked us to take a step of faith, it's always included a step of financial faith. And so, yeah, you're, you're always going to have your back against the wall. That's good. So, the, the, so you could also say that, yeah, you won't have financial challenges if you're not making a difference, if right. you're not making an impact, you're not doing what God asked you to do. That's good. Well, let me ask you this then. What causes the financial challenges? Well, there's four things I think that causes financial challenges. Um, the first thing is listening to Jesus and doing what he says. Um, and the other three are going to seem counterintuitive, but if you listen to Jesus and do what he says, I believe he's always leading us to take greater steps of faith. I remember one time in a group of church planters, we were doing like a small church planter roundtable. And I remember I told all these church planters, I said, you remember that feeling that you had to deal with, that struggle, that anxiety that you felt when you started the church? And all of them kind of nodding their head, and I told them, that's the smallest step of faith God's ever going to ask you to take. It only gets bigger from here. And I've had several of those guys call me back and say, you know, I didn't believe you at the time, but I believe you now. And so that's going to cause a financial challenge. Um, the second thing, and this is on the flip side, another thing that causes financial challenge is lack of vision. Um, if you if your church or your organization lacks vision, um, you're ultimately going to lack resources because people do not want to give to the SS Titanic Church. I mean, if they know the ship is going down or if they don't know where the ship is going at all. For example, if I sign up for a cruise, um, I've got a map telling me where that boat's going to go. It's not like, hey, we're going to go out to sea, and we're going to stay out there, out there for a little while, we're going to do some stuff, and we might have food, and we might not have food. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where you want to know where you're going. And so when a church lacks vision, lots of times they'll lack 
um, the, the resources. Mm-hmm. The third thing is um, a lack of motivation on the part of the leadership to talk about finances. It's amazing to me um, the number of church leaders that tell me they're facing financial challenges. One of my questions back to them is how often do you teach on money? And it's either seldom or never. Uh, money is the one thing that people, I mean, there are people that would rather you preach on hell than on money. The only subject I know that's more controversial than money in the church today is uh, homosexuality and gay marriage. It's the only one. And, and, and you know what? In my experience, there was still less tension at New Spring Church mm-hmm. when I taught about that than when I taught about money. Money makes people uncomfortable. It's the only thing that leaders in the church apologize for teaching on. We don't apologize for teaching on adultery. We don't apologize for teaching on slander. We don't apologize for teaching on lying. But we will always get up and apologize for teaching on money. And we'll always tell non-Christians, hey, this doesn't apply to you. See, I think it does because I know for a fact that we had people come to our church um, two non-Christians who, when Robert Morris came, uh, they he, they listened to him preach about tithing, and nobody can do it better than Robert. They decided to start tithing. God blessed them in the next three months, and they wound up giving their life to Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you have to tell non-Christians they, they um, have to do, but it is a great invitation for them just to see if the promises of God are true. Um, and the fourth thing that caused financial challenges— in a, in a lot of churches, is lack of discipline. Lack of discipline. In other words, they don't have a budget or they don't stick to the budget. Um, and it's amazing to me, just the, the larger um, and more complex your church or your organization gets, the more attention you have to pay to those financial details. And I would say those four things are the biggest reasons for financial challenges in the church. I'm also going to say I think our church is going through a financial challenge right now because evidently we can't pay the air conditioner bill because it's hot as hades in this room. (laughs) Can somebody cut down the air conditioner? Am I the only one sweating? I'm sweating I mean, it's not – I'm not – uh, I'm drinking coffee, hot, though. but I'm definitely – Allie just got up. That may play a role. Allie just got up to cut down the air conditioner. Or maybe she just wants to show off her ring. Uh, Yeah. Hey, speaking of that – Allie showed off her ring on this show not too long ago with her phone ringing. But in the past few days, she got a ring, and it wasn't on the phone. It was on her finger. She started dating a guy named Josh. He yep. liked it. He put a ring on it. Yeah, he did. Amen. So anyway, really excited. Thank you, Allie, for getting up and changing the air conditioner. She's red. There you go. Uh, yes. All right. Back to financial challenges. Well, let me ask you this. Is there a difference between a financial challenge and a financial crisis? Yes. A financial challenge is what you face when you're following the will of God, I think, um, sometimes, or when you're not paying attention to details, whatever. A financial crisis is if something doesn't happen, the ship is going down. Um, If something doesn't happen, we're not going to be able to pay staff salary. If something doesn't happen, we're not going to be able to pay rent. If something doesn't happen, we're not going to be able to, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think that crisis mode um, is a dangerous place for a leader or an organization to be because what happens is we start playing 
defense mm-hmm. rather than moving forward. So yeah, there's definitely and a so difference. I'm I'm assuming then that if you're having financial challenge, if you don't deal with it properly, you'll end up in a financial crisis. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So is this something a church or organization should see coming? And if so, how can they see a challenge uh, or even a crisis coming their way? This is something I really get excited about. Um, and I get excited about talking to church leaders about this because, um, and Shane, you've been, you've been on staff, you've been with me on staff on leadership team for uh, going close nine to 10 and years. and a half years. Yeah. yeah, okay. So am I exaggerating when I say that on most Sundays, no matter how, um, it, no matter whether nine years ago today, on most Sundays, I can tell you what the offering is going to be um, and I'll be all 5% e- either way, usually. <laughs> no, it's true. It's uncanny, actually, Okay, your ability to do that. There's a way to do that. There's a way to figure out what your offering is going to be every single week, just about. There's a way to monitor that. I'm, and It's not because I'm smart. Um, it's just because I saw the system and I figured it out. And so um, the, 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 it goes back to this thing that um, Michael Mulliken, who's on our staff with us, taught us called cash flow. And I want to push the pause button right here and say some people say that the church is not a business. Um, I would say you're wrong. If you have a checking account, you're a business. If you pay somebody's salary, you're a business. And not only do I think the church is a business, I believe the church should be the best ran business in every community, so much so that business leaders should come to the church for models of excellence, creativity, and financial accountability and sustainability. So going back, I do think the church is a business. You've got to know how much money is going out. Mm -hmm. You've got to know how much money is coming in. It's just like a personal budget. And so you can see a crisis coming if the money coming in starts to slow down, and you can track it. There's a way to track this. You can see a financial crisis coming if you're starting to increase your spending, but your giving is not um, coming in. You can monitor all these coming. And so in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, a financial crisis um, should not happen if we're paying attention Mm. to the numbers each and every week. And I know there's some pastors out there going, well, I can't do that. I'm not gifted in that area. Well, I'm not gifted in that area either. That's why you turn that entire ministry Mm -hmm. over to somebody that is gifted, and they really can, um, especially if you find a good engineer, and even if you can't hire them, you know, just bring them on as a volunteer, and they will geek out over Excel spreadsheets and just lose their minds. Charts and graphs, trends. They'll do all that for you for free. And Geek out about it. <laughs> That's so true. Um, what are some things? Um, let me ask this: If, if a, a leader sees a financial challenge on the way, or even a crisis on the way, what are some things a leader shouldn't do? The first thing that a leader should not do, and oh my gosh, I've seen this happen, is get up in front of the church and announce that the ship is sinking. Because the ship may not be sinking. We, we may need to move some cargo around. We may need to throw some cargo overboard. Maybe we're doing too many ministries, right? But the, I've seen too many leaders get on stage and cry wolf 
when it's not really a wolf, it's like a puppy, um, but they think it might be a wolf, and they didn't really pay attention and see if it was a wolf. And so the, the best thing that a leader can do when a financial challenge or a perceived financial crisis is coming is surround themselves with godly, wise men and women who have a financial mind to help them see the gaps and the loopholes maybe in the budget or the structure of the situation. And when I say that, um, I'm, I'm being really serious. There's, there's uh, churches out there that you've got people on your financial team that don't know anything about finances. They're just, well, I, I hear this. Well, they're just great prayer warriors. Well, I don't, that's awesome. Um, stick them in a room and let them pray for money, but get the people in the church that deal in business each and every day to um, help you figure out the financial challenges because they're in your church. Not to mention people who budget their own life well, oh their personal gosh. life well. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't let broke people hang, help you figure <laughs> out your finances. Uh, let me ask you this. What would you say, um, I mean, to me, if I've got a leader in front of me telling me I need to give or the ship is going to sink, as somebody who might invest, I would see that and say, you know what, I need to get out now because the ship's already sunk. Absolutely. So what do you say to the to the pastor that's on the verge of like, you know, if I don't go out and beg people for money, we're going to go away? This is what I think, and this is a theory, but I've, it's a, I've studied it for over two decades now, and I think I'm right. A pastor can announce the church is in financial trouble about once every 10 years. I mean, really, about once every 10 years. Because statistically, we're going to have another recession in the next two mm -hmm. or three years, whether it's a major recession like the one we went through in 2007, 2008, or it's just a slowdown. So every pastor needs to imagine they have a, a chip. Once every 10 years, you can lay down that chip and say, you know what, the church is in a little bit of financial trouble. But that chip should be laid down only when, in, when you can get in front of the church and say, we've studied the budget, we've made cutbacks where we can cut back, we've trimmed spending where we can trim spending, we've done this, we've done this. Our plan for the next three months as we take this in is to do X, Y, and Z. In order to take this in, we're going to need to receive this from this room, and we need you to take a step out on faith and either give a special offering, begin tithing, or increase your tithe. And that works so much better than if you guys don't give, we're going to have to shut the doors. Mm -hmm. um, because if, a, if I'm attending a church and the pastor or any church leader gets on stage and presents me the first option, hey, we've looked at this, we've worked on this, we've prayed over this, we've had wise men and women meeting till the wee hours of the morning trying to figure this out, and this is our plan, and this is how you can get involved, and this is what it's going to allow us to do, I'll give to that. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll help that, but the whole, um, the church is imploding, we need your help, um, it might work. I, I have a friend of mine named Larry Osborne, he calls those drive-by guiltings. Yeah. You drop a drive-by guilting on somebody, um, it'll work for a week or two. It will work short term, but it will cost you in the long run because people do not fall for the, you know, the, the church is sinking yeah. once every year. They just got one shot with that, and that's it. Once every 10 years. So what? Uh, so in the case uh, of a financial challenge, if that's what leaders should not do, what should they do? Um, like I said, going back to that whole thing of get your, get your financial minds around the table. I mean, you've got business leaders. You've got um, 
you know, plant managers. You've got um, CEOs, CFOs in your church, and talk to them about how their company budgets. Talk to them. Talk to other churches that are doing this wisely to figure it out. And like I said, map out a plan, present it to your church, and invite them to be involved rather than setting the church on fire, saying if you guys don't give water, it's going to burn down. Um, one of the things I know, uh, Perry, based on feedback um, that we get, is that we have all sorts of leaders listen to this, people in the marketplace, churches, charitable organizations that listen to this podcast. But I want to ask this question. That in For a church or charitable organization, is dealing with the issue of a financial challenge more difficult? I think it is. Um, and if you're in corporate world, you may disagree. But churches and charitable organizations are already at a disadvantage when it comes to finances, and this is why. Going back to what I said about money being really hard to teach on. So you got a church, and it doesn't matter if you got 50 people in your church or 5,000 people in your church. As soon as you begin the money conversation in a, ch- in a non-for-profit organization, whether it's a church or it's the Red Cross or whatever, people always go to the, you just want my money card. Now, people don't go to that card at Walmart because they know it. Well, there's a price tag on stuff at Walmart. I mean, nobody goes to Walmart, comes out and says, I'm never going in there again. All they want is my money. I'm never going to Target again. All they want is my money. I'm never going to the Toyota dealership again. All they want is my money. Nobody says that about for-profit organizations. But non-for-profit organizations already have that, I'm not giving money. I'm not, you know, they're, 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 they, they want to get their hands in my wallet. They've got that perception when they walk in the door. So we, as church um, nonprofit organizations already have one strike against us, which, let me say this, that's not an excuse. That's merely an opportunity to work harder and do it better than the corporate world. We, I mean, God has literally set us up to put together um, financial systems and structures that allow us to do budgeting and financing um, and some people would even call it, if you're nonprofit, you call it fundraising. Mm-hmm. So fundraising, capital campaigns, whatever. We can do that in such a way that I really do believe the corporate world should be coming to the church trying to figure out how, how we do that. That's good. How key or how important, uh, I should say, is the leader's vision and attitude when dealing with a financial challenge? Well, two things, vision and attitude. Vision, I've got a philosophy on giving. I say people give to vision, they don't give to need. And most of the time that's true. I mean, you got some people in your church that will give because they understand the need in the church. We need to you know keep the lights on. We need to give the kids some crackers. We need to do this. We need to do that. Most people don't give to need though. Most people give to vision. And so if you can paint, I think Bill Hybel says vision is um, painting a picture that produces passion in people. If you can paint that picture that produces passion um, and share it with people, people will will give to that. Um, The other thing is attitude. I learned this the hard way. About the first eight or nine years at New Spring, when I preached on money, I would preach mad. Um, But then I heard Andy Stanley say something, and I totally ripped this off. And I say this so much that people at New Spring think that I came up with it, and I don't correct them. Um, (laughs) Andy Stanley said years ago, and I heard him say this, um, he was 
he was either talking about giving at a conference or he was either teaching in his church. And he said, um, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And my mentality switched. I was like, you know what? That, that's right. That's, I don't want something from people. I want something for them because I really do believe when you handle money God's way, when you put him first and submit the other 90% to his leadership, um, you will have a measurably more than, than all you ever ask or imagine. Now, some people go, oh, that's prosperity gospel. It's not prosperity gospel. And by the way, what's the opposite? Poverty gospel. I'm not there. Oh, your health and wealth. No, no, I'm not, but I'm, I'm not health and wealth, but I'm not sick and broke either. I mm-hmm. simply believe the gospel works in every area of our lives, including our finances. And one of the greatest opportunities that a leader can give people in his or her church is invite them for, um, with the opportunity to trust the Lord, saying, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. That's good. Hey, give a li- our listeners an example of a challenge that we faced here at New Spring and how we worked through it. Well, the, the list there is numerous, <laughs> but I will... Um, I'll, you know, I'll just go to the most recent one we tackled, Shane, because um, uh, some people look at our church and they say, well, churches like that, churches like, you know, Life Church or churches like Andy Stanley's church, they don't face financial challenges. And I don't know what challenges those organizations may face in particular, but I know back in December, um, we've grown the past two years in unreal ways. Like, I really do praise the Lord for the way that we've grown. And I'm not going to call out the specific... I, I'll just say this. Last year, it was, what, 40-something percent? It was over 40%. And this yeah. year, it's close to 30%. Right. Um, well, here's... Th- that's the good news. Here's what you need to understand if you're growing. Money with a, with a growing church, when you have people coming to your church, money's the last thing they bring to church and the first thing they take away. Um, people are very reluctant to give financially to a church or organization and they'll finally start doing it and when they're getting ready to leave that's the first thing they stop doing so with a lot of growth it's it's kind of like if you are a husband and a wife and you're dink double income no kids and automatically you your wife quits her job you have triplets and you adopt twins <laughs> that's what it's that, that's what's the growth and so that's going to financially restrict you um, and put some challenges in front of you that you previously didn't have so back in december we started looking at or actually november is when we started mm-hmm. looking at it and we said you know what um we're going to need to slow down our spending in order to let the giving completely catch up so we can continue to maintain cash flow to do what God's called us to do. And it was um, three months, because we actually delayed the budget Mm -hmm. one month. It was three months of intense meetings, um, meetings honestly filled with uh, some pretty high emotions, Um, meetings felt um, a lot of explanations, and it was so healthy for our church because ministries had to go back and look at their budget. And we didn't tell them, um, hey, you have to cut your budget to this. We kept coming back going, what is essential for you to do ministry? And I would say because of that, um, I wouldn't call it a, a crisis. It, it was a concern that could have turned into a crisis. But I would say because of that period of concern, it caused the leadership all across the church to take a serious look at our budget reduce spending to a healthy amount. Right now, I think we're healthier than we've been in probably seven or eight years. Um, Reduce spending to a healthy amount, not cutting the budget, 
Um, we cut, that's the thing I had to tell the staff, we didn't cut budgets, we cut budget proposals. We didn't give everybody everything they asked for, but it enabled our staff to go back and begin to do ministry more creatively because when a staff relies, when a staff said, when a staff member says or a church says, if we had more money, we could do more, that's an excuse for not being um, a good steward of what you have right now. Um, it's just not true. And so that was the, that's the most recent financial um, challenge we faced is we had to really take a hard look at our budget, trim back every area, every area of ministry participated and had to trim back. And it was so healthy for us. Yep. What I loved about it too, we didn't just, as a leadership team, we didn't just say, here's what you have to do. We went back yep. to them and said, keep digging what's essential. And we got everybody involved in the process, which seemed to seem to this point have worked really, really well. Um, Perry's, we're wrapping up this. We could talk about financial challenges and all, all these day. things forever. There's just not enough time in a podcast. And I know this is obviously it's part of your heart, the heart of New Spring Church to equip and help church leaders. And so as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we've got something really cool coming up. November the 13th of this year, 2014, that our New Spring Network will be hosting. And it's a roundtable to discuss these types of things not and we didn't even get into talking about capital campaigns and all sorts of things but why don't you tell our listeners about this roundtable you'll be hosting and the church will be hosting november 13th and how they can get plugged into that if they'd like to one of the one of the top questions we get um at our church is how do you guys do budgets how do you guys you know, talk to me about this cash flow thing talk to me about finances talk to me about staffing percentages talk to me about um those things and then we're just coming off the heels of what I would consider to be our, well, not, I don't even have to consider it to be. It was our most successful um, capital campaign in the history of our church. We had over $40 million pledged. And we've had, I can't tell you, Shane, the number of churches that have said, how did you do it? Um, and I would simply say, First of all, if you're gonna, if you're getting ready to go to an, into a capital campaign, if you're thinking about building, um, or you just want to get healthier financially, it takes a serious commitment of time and energy from the senior pastor. Um, if the senior pastor isn't going to be involved, highly involved, it's just not going to work. Um, but one of the things that we want to do is be able to sit down and serve churches that really are. Um, dealing with those things. Now, if you're getting ready to go to a capital campaign, um, one of the things that a lot of churches do is they hire consultants. I'm not anti-consultant. I'm, in fact, one of my best friends owns a church financial consulting company. I mean, it's it's uh, Enjoy Stewardship Services, and I love Joe Sangle, and I, I believe the ministry that they're doing is great and awesome. Um, we actually got them to do some research for us for our last campaign, so they didn't run the campaign. But we sat down, Shane, and we took, what, seven or eight months to really plan out that campaign. We planned it out. We had Bible studies. We had dinners. We had events. We had devotionals. We had, it was one of the most well-planned things we've ever done. We were actually able to bring on a full-time staff member because we looked at the price of what consultants were going to charge us and it was actually cheaper for us to bring on a full-time staff member and do it in-house. And it cost us a fraction of the percentage that we were going to have to pay outside consulting firms. 
And so there's a lot of churches out there that want this information, that need this information. There's a lot of churches out there that may be wanting to do a capital campaign in the next 12 to 18 months, but you think you kind of want to do it in-house. You think you want to do your own program, your own resource, resource it your own way. There's some churches out there that want to get financial healthy. And so what we're doing is a one-day event on Thursday, November the 13th. One-day event, Thursday, November 13th. It starts at about um, 9.30 in the morning, and it goes to about, you know, 4 or 5 in the afternoon. It's going to include um, myself along with some of our leadership team on our financial team. We're going to be doing teaching and discussion on finances, getting financially healthy, and capital campaigns, um, capital campaigns being a major part of this one-day event. Um, it's an investment to come. I don't mind telling you. It costs $1,000 to come to this event. $1,000 is for you and one other person from your church. So it's $1,000 per church, whether you bring someone with you or not. If you say, well, it's only me coming, can I come in for 500 No. It's $1,000 per church. Um, that includes two people attending. That gets some breakfast. That gets some lunch. And that gets them all kind of things, Shane, that we're just going to give away that day. We're going we're gonna to give away our entire capital campaign strategy basically in a box yep. and say, here it is. If it works for you, great. Um, if you can take some of this and put some of other stuff with it, great. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, a $1,000 investment. For some churches, it's it could save your church from going from a um, into a financial crisis. Other churches, and this is what I really believe, I believe it's going to enable them to raise way more money than they would by hiring someone who doesn't even really know their church that well. And once again, I'm not downing consultants. I'm just saying there's some churches out there that you want to do this and you know you can do this. And instead of paying fifty, seventy-five, a hundred thousand dollars for a capital campaign, um, think you can you can drop a thousand, bring somebody with you, and and just soak it up on this day. Yep. Two things uh, I'll add about that, Perry. One is a thousand dollars for two spots, but we're only selling. Uh, 50, 50 spots. 50 spots, that's it. So and that's it. So this is really going to be a roundtable environment, a lot of time for Q&A. Uh, you mentioned we're going to give away, you know, campaign in a box. And just to uh, to give people some, some, some hard numbers, you just said we raised $40 million or had $40 million pledged in our last campaign. A typical consultant would charge 10% of that. We were able to do it for 2% of that. Yep. So it's a big, big deal. It could save lots and lots of money. We'd love to share this information with you. Again, uh, where you get that information, newspringnetwork.com. Yep. Go to newspringnetwork.com. Uh, sign up there. We do believe it'll fill up fast. So when you, you hearing that, hearing it on this podcast, is this the first time people will hear it? Yeah. And, and once again, these spots are going to go quick. I remember, Shane, I went to one of these at another church back in 2005 mm -hmm. and just soaked up so much information um and this last campaign um we've done this is our third campaign um this is the only campaign we've never hired a consultant on and it's the most successful campaign we've ever had so i would tell churches this isn't spending money this is an investment to make sure um that your church is able to do ministry on the most effective level possible financially. 
And like I said, we're just going to, at this on this day, we're going to give away some cool stuff. So it's going to be awesome. Yep, it'll be fun. Well, that's it uh, for today. Thanks for listening to this month's edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We'll see you next month.